Hi, and welcome back to the Petty Zoo. I'm Julia. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be talking about Friendterventions. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, a Friendtervention is when one of your friends, uh, no matter how close they are to you, could mm-hmm. be a best friend, could be like kind of a more distant friend, is going through something uh, that you know about, whether they told you or you know through someone else. Yes. Um, and it is basically the idea of, like, what do you do? Are you a bystander? Do you intervene? Yep. And also, I feel like I really wanted to talk about this topic because it's not as widely talked about. I think when you're a teen, everyone talks about what you do when you go through something. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a conversation to be had about what happens when someone, when you watch someone go through something. Yeah, because, and I also think when you are helping someone go through something and yeah. you're emotionally involved in the situation, how that can affect you. And I think a friend intervention can be kind of like either helping your friend or it can be considered like going to an adult. Yeah. And be like, listen, we need help. Yeah. And I think both of us struggle with this topic a lot. I struggle with it like to this day. Oh, me too, without a doubt. It's hard to also give advice on this because it really does vary per person and per mm-hmm. situation. Because I have had friends who have been in similar situations with mental illness, and yet I feel like I need to intervene so much more on one friend than the other. Yeah. But they're both suffering from the same thing. Yep, and I'll also go through, I have a friend where sometimes I feel like a lot of intervention is necessary and I need to be there all the time. Yes. And then sometimes I think it's at the point where I can like take a step back and when it's not as... Um, important yeah. for me to be involved. Yeah, this topic is really important to me mm-hmm. because I um, used to, like, pride myself in high school that I was kind of, like, the friend to go to. Um, my friends used to call me Dr. Anna for a while. That mm, was a thing. That's I know. interesting. <laughs> well, you know us. Um, you know, we've both seen Grey's Anatomy. I think that qualifies us. As, as medical professionals. Obviously. Um, yeah. Can Four cc's. Push one of Epi. Yes. Charge the paddles to 300. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm not saying I'm a medical professional, but I am saying that, like, if you put me in a surgery room and, like, handed me a scalpel... I could probably do brain surgery. I think that's my favorite thing when they're like, scalpel. Yeah, scalpel. Yes. It's a beautiful day to save lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we talked about this last episode too. We talked about Grey's Anatomy. We did, but I think it's something that like, yeah. Um, And I I did pride myself on being the one you come to because I am pretty mentally – there. I'm pretty mm-hmm. mentally okay. Um, I feel like I'm asking Julia, like, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, I as think, an outside source, pretty mentally sound. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm pretty mentally, mentally with it. Um, and also, like, I, for the most part, a lot of my friends knew that, like, I didn't have, like, a lot of really big issues growing, mm-hmm. like, in high school or anything like that. Like, I never had boyfriend drama. I never had like, really inter-friend drama for the most part. Maybe well, towards, I think you maybe did. Maybe towards the end there. Yeah. Um, or I feel like for most drama, I was, like, drama adjacent. Like, right. Like, I was, like, my friend was in a fight with another one of my friends, but mm-hmm. I wasn't in the fight. Right. You were always, like, on the peripheral. Yeah. Of the drama. And I felt for that way, too, about things. a lot of friend fights. Yeah. 
Anyway, and so because I became sort of this stable person, and a lot of my friends began to, like, call me in the middle of the night or text mm-hmm. me when something went down, it could be as casual as, like, I got in a fight with my mom or, like, I'm having, like, a depression spiral and, like, I need somebody to talk to. Right. Like, it really had its like levels and I think we were also talking about how we got really familiar with the whole routine like are you sitting down are you drinking water can you drink a glass of water can you take a deep breath can you tell me what happened just like we both like have these really well-worn rituals that like we know exactly what to do and we are very familiar with the you know are you drinking water are you sitting down can you tell me what you're feeling just this stuff that we learned pretty early on about how to deal with a scary situation. It's scary because also you learn, both of us have learned from experience, Mm. I think. We both have learned from, like, almost trial and error of helping someone out, what works and what they need. And it varies from person to person because I have some friends that, like, want to be told, like, we love you so much, you're such a great person, we yeah, all adore like you. Right, and I have some people that don't want to hear that and don't want to hear about that and just be like, I'm sorry, I know this is hard. Yeah. Things will get better. Yeah. And I feel like, it was actually funny, I was at college and one of my friends from college who didn't know me at all from high school mm-hmm. uh, saw me go into that mode of helpful Damage control. Yes. And she was like, looked at me like terrified. She was like, when did Anna become a trained (laughs) medical professional? A trained EMT. Literally, because we sound like we're on like... Dateline or something. Like an emergency, like a helpline or something. Yeah. We're very, very, very well versed. And Mm -hmm. I kind of snapped back into a voice that I haven't done in a while where it's very like... Eerily calm. Mm. As you have to, that's what you feel like you have to do of being like, I am here for you. I am in control. Even if you're not in control, look at me. This is something that is stable. I can and handle good this situation. And handle. And so you can calm down because I'm here. You kind mm-hmm. of have to have a calming voice. And I went through like all of my checklists and I was like on the phone and it was really late at night. And we're both very familiar of that like stepping out of a party, stepping out of a social situation, going into the hall and being like, sorry, I need to go take this call. Yeah. But it's, it's literally like we're calling to make it a very important business deal. <laughs> yeah. It, I feel very adult. I think that's when I feel the most adult or the most grown up or mature or stuff like that is when I'm handling those situations because you can't be freaking out. Well, yeah, you feel like Kerry Washington. It's handled. Mm-hmm. It's handled completely. But that's not good. No. You know, like, I think we do get a sort of like, I don't want to say thrill because I think that's the wrong word. Not thrill, but I do think there's a sense of, is sense of satisfaction, like, a weird thing to say? I think it is, but I think it's true. Yeah. There is a strange sense of satisfaction when you are the good friend. Mm-hmm. When you do, I think it's, like, everyone always talks about with, like, medical professionals, like, the high that they get mm-hmm. when, you know, you save someone's life or you save something or something like that, and that's not good. But there, there was a, oh, no, no, it's okay. Uh, there was a weird thing, like, my junior year of high school and the height of a lot of stuff was going on with a couple different friends. Whenever I used to get frustrated, I used to, like, have this weird mantra where I'd be like, I... I'm a pillar of unwavering patience and support. What? Like, which is such a weird thing to think. But I'd be like, I am endlessly patient. I never get frustrated. I never get upset. I am just patient and loving and I'm always there. Like, my cup runneth over. 
which is like a weird, you can't, that's not a sustainable way to live. Yeah, I don't think that's good. No. Because, I mean, I think eventually, both you and I have, we talked about this like really late at night last mm-hmm. year that I just seem to remember. I remember We were that. in a hotel room. Yep. That sounds very scandalous, but we were on a school trip. <laughs> yep. And it was, everyone else was asleep and it was like three in the morning. Yeah, and we were both lying like flat on our backs being like, hey. You know, it's like like sleepover voice, like just being like, hey. Mm-hmm. Have you ever like, you know, have you ever really thought about like, Aliens. Yeah. (laughs) Dying or aliens. Yeah. But (laughs) no, that weird late of night where you can just kind of say whatever you want and go with it. Oh, yeah. Sleepovers have a really special power. Yes. So my hometown friend group, we used to have like these big sleepovers. And especially because I was at a different high school, these were really important to me. These Mm -hmm. were like our big times. Yeah. We were at my high school. (laughs) Yeah. We used to do this thing called like, I don't know, like friend circle or sharing circle, whatever. And I remember one time (laughs) in ninth (laughs) grade, we sat in a circle on my my trampoline and sobbed. (gasps) I mean like sobbing. And we'd have these like talks really late at night where we'd just sit in a circle and well, talk trampolines about... trampolines are magical. Yeah, and we'd talk about really deep personal things and all of us would cry. And like, it was scary. I mean, it was really like powerful and it was like a very deep bonding experience but it also like scared me sometimes. Well, that's how I felt on retreat. Really? Um, yeah, the first one. Yeah. yeah. So we had this thing at uh, our high school because we went to a religious school um, we had retreat that were, like, spiritual retreats, but it was also <laughs> kind of, like, bonding. Yeah. And I, I just described it, which I think was, like, an apt decision where, it, Absolutely. like, it's, it's combined that sense of a sleepover, you combine, but then there's also, like, church, because we go to church and we talk yeah. about, you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord. <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, our Lord yes. and Savior. Oh, baby Jesus. Um, and then, uh... Also, what I assume they do on The Bachelor when they're not on camera mm-hmm. or, like, not on a date where, you know, they're all sitting on, like, 15,000 different couches <laughs> and they're, like, crying. Yep. Uh, the movie Mean Girls. The movie Mean Girls. And then, was there one more thing that, like... There I was feel? five. There were five. Um, uh, I don't know. It's... it's oh, therapy. Therapy. <laughs> Which yes. is true. The biggest Like, group, <laughs> like couples therapy mm-hmm. for, you know, 60... A seventeen to eighteen year old yep. girls, which is quite a bit. Oh yeah, and we they we had this thing that was on the Saturday night of this weekend uh, trip mm-hmm. that we would go. We'd go to an old, rundown, haunted convent in the woods. Yeah, it was a retreat house, and you weren't allowed to have any technology, so no cell phones. No, so you were completely cut off from the outside world. It snowed at both of ours. Yeah, so that's creepy when yeah. it snows and you're like by yourself and it's quiet you're in the middle of the woods you don't really have any sense of where you are you can't leave there's no also it's like you know I've realized I rely on my phone for all sense of time yeah so without my phone I'm like is it two is it four is it six yeah no (laughs) clue of what time it was so it was like a very eerie almost like a liminal space yeah it was definitely but it was special that, that made it special and we had this thing called fishbowl where we would um go we would go into the biggest like lounge main room main, like lounge like lounge lounge <laughs> lounge couchy area lounge mm-hmm. yes and we would sit in a huge circle and one by we it's not necessarily one by one but, but I feel like for us it was to one go by up one. yeah yeah if you have something to say to the circle and confess you go up and you sit in the circle and you say something and girls confessed like 
deaths of loved ones and that struggle that they went through. Yeah. Um, everyone the, cried. Everyone like, almost cried. everyone who sat up, you'd sit in the chair and you'd start talking and these girls would just start, like, sobbing like, in front weeping, of yeah. all of us. Like, academic, like, pressure from parents. Mm-hmm. Like, just a general sense of, like, being a failure. Yeah. And also, like, then some girls confessed, like, dealing with illness and, like, dealing with, like, the addition of something worse to just regular high school mm-hmm. trauma. <laughs> Gen- like, I feel like, I think I said this once to one of my college friends. I was like, high school fucks everyone up in some way. We just vary in the ways that we get fucked up by high school. Oh, 100%. But, like, yeah. I feel like high school fucks you up a little bit. It's a fucked up time. Yeah. Time to get fucked up. <laughs> it's not fucked up in the fun way. No. Like, the yeah, fucked up. But- <laughs> fucked up in the sad way. <laughs> yeah, no, but, like, this sharing circle, like, people revealed really deep stuff, and I also think we were in a culture where that didn't get talked about a lot. No, because where appearances were important. You wore your uniform. You posted on social media with the right people. You no. did well in school. Like, there was just a acceptable mode of behavior. Well, because in part of the, like, kind of flaws of being that friend who you come to, and kind of, it's funny, the mantra that you said to your, you, you want to be, this is like a broader concept too, but I feel mm-hmm. like it was very evident in high school. Like, you want to be the perfect modern woman slash, yes. like, friend. Like, for me in high school, and still to this day, I have this need to be, like, I'm, like, I'm smart. I do well in school. But I'm also, like, look at all these other things I do. Yeah. Like, look at what a renaissance woman <laughs> I am. I used to think about, too, in high school, I'd be, like, I do sports. I do extracurriculars. I do volunteering. I do well in school. I'm nice. I'm blonde. Yeah. Like, I'm blonde. That's I'm one blonde. of my that's one of my things I juggle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, there's this there's this need to be and be the all around friend where it's like, I'm funny and I'm bright and happy and I can be bright and happy in a crowd. Everyone will like me, but also I can be that person you call at three in the morning when you're crying in bed and just be the person who talks you off the ledge or right. be the person that just like sits with you for a while. Like, I can I, be the fun one, and I can also be the serious one to turn to. Yeah. I can do it both. I can be every type of friend. And I wanted everyone else to – I wanted to be that, but it, it wasn't just that. It wasn't enough that I knew that. It had to be that everyone else yeah. could see how well-developed I was and how mm-hmm. sophisticated and adulty Yeah, I and was. how well you were doing, that how you well. were succeeding – yeah, I wasn't a hot mess because <laughs> it felt like you were either a mess and proud of it or you mm-hmm. were together and proud of it. Yeah, because I definitely veered on the side of a hot mess and proud of it just in like, I was klutzy. I had a lot of weird things happen to me, but I turned it into like a running gag. Like was that was funny. the joke. It was like your bit. It's yeah. like you were a comedian and like that's your character that you made up, but that's different from like the actual you. Yeah, I almost felt like it was a piece of like performance art. Like, I was performing my personality for other people, which we also talked about in the last episode, I think. We did. But then I think there's also that point of, like, if you are your friend's only emotional support, that's draining. That's so... That's really, really hard. And I don't think that gets talked about a lot. No. That you have this guilt for being, like, worn down. But it's hard. You cannot keep that up and keep that endless well of, like, energy and care going without taking care of yourself. Yeah, I didn't notice I was I had a friend had she's she's good she's here we're still friends um 
but during high school, I think starting for me, it was a period of maybe like four, three to four years. It was a long where time. I was the rock to her and she confessed things to me. She went through so much and I didn't go through a lot during that period mm-hmm. besides really being her friend and helping her through everything. Right. And it wasn't until there was a really big thing that happened with us and it wasn't until afterwards that I realized how exhausted I was. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like, I feel like in some of these situations, something terrible is going to happen if you stop. Yes. There's that so very... you de- can't stop. You get this very deliberate sense, and I don't know if it's true or not, that you. I almost got this feeling of, like, this person's well-being is my responsibility. And I could know from an objective outsider standpoint that that wasn't true. Yeah. But I'd feel like, I am responsible for this. This is my thing to, like, like I need to help this person. Which isn't good. Like, mm-hmm. you can't be responsible for another person's life because, as I forgot during high school, which is, it sounds sad, but, like, I forgot that I was also in charge of my life. Yeah. I was in charge of what happens to me. I was in charge of, am I having fun? Am I having, mm-hmm. you know, am I taking time out of my day to check in with myself and being like, hey, are you drinking enough water? Are you, like, <laughs> putting too much pressure on yourself about this assignment? Are you, like, really happy with who you surround yourself with? Mm-hmm. Which was a big deal because I I like to think that uh, um, after this big moment with a friend of mine, that, that was when, for me, junior year of high school was actually a weirdly good time to be me. Um, <laughs> because I went through a period of, like, almost, I think I had known, kind of, this is going to sound so cheeseball, <laughs> but I had known who I was for a really long time, but it didn't really factor into my the way I led my life. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of remembered, remember who you are. It's like <laughs> the Lion King. Yeah. Um, but, uh... I remembered who I was and I remembered and I it just became so much more like I have to now take care of me. I have to take care of her. I have to make sure and I made it a priority, which I think is actually super healthy for me to do in high school. I totally I told my mom I was like, I'm going to have one fun thing happen every weekend. It didn't have to be it varied from I went to my first like music festival. That was really fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um I went to my first music festival. Um, I went to a bunch of plays that a bunch of my friends were putting on. I had a plaster fun time birthday. <laughs> um, I Oh, yeah, plaster fun time. If you don't know what that is, it is the most magical place on earth. Oh, where truly. You, you pick a kind of like Cheap. cement. Yes. Yeah, like not cement, but like ceramic. That's plaster. what I'm thinking of. Ceramic, yeah. Ceramic, yeah. plaster, plaster fun time. Mm-hmm. And then you have a fun time and you paint it. And it's really, really... Therapeutic and satisfying. Yes. Um, and I, like, took a lot of time to, like, concentrate on, like, ha- if I was having fun, if I was enjoying this time of, like, my life, and it really was. Like, I had so much fun. So when we became friends, mm-hmm. we did become friends in junior year. Yes. And we did a lot. There was Yeah. A, yeah. We did. We, like, did a lot, and we spent a lot of time... We just went like, to shows and we eat snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Our lives are so thrilling. Mm-hmm. We eat snacks. 
Um, but no, we like, I feel like we had just a lot of really good conversations and there was a lot, also I feel like a lot of really good like benefits out of junior year. Yeah. Like my I grades like were my good. My friends were good. Mm-hmm. Like I was on sports teams. I made the most of situations and mm-hmm. like felt proud of myself. Senior no, year, totally. not so much, but you know, <laughs> junior year. I did like senior year. And I also think like going back to the topic of like being an emotional support for your friends, yeah. it's like what do you do when you get to a point where you look at a friendship and you realize this is all I do with this person uh, is like talk about that. Like our friendship revolves around them yeah, and around their issues and there isn't anything else because like you don't want to cut off the friendship. No. But you also recognize that this is what the friendship is about now. Yeah. And I'm with a few of my friends who wear... I'm not now... I'm not really sure how to treat them. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know I... Obviously, you treat them like we're friends, but I'm like, if they don't know that much about my life, and if we start a conversation, it's going to turn into something confessional. And it's not really their fault because... No, that's, of course not. That's how you've presented yourself to them for years of, I am your friend therapist. Mm-hmm. Don't be a therapist if you're not a therapist. Do Can not I just be make that? a friend therapist. That's yeah. just a general thesis, especially if you're in high school. Don't do it. It's not, you think you're doing the right thing for them, but you're not. You're just not. And there's also that question of like, when do I go to an adult? Because there's uh. this weird sense of when you're in high school Going to an adult feels like a betrayal. Oh, yeah. Like, it feels like you are betraying your friend's confidence to go. I feel like in some contexts, they think you are. Yeah. Like, it doesn't just feel that way. Like, they say that. Yeah, I've had friends get mad at me. Like, you told somebody about this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there were some points when, but my life got significantly better when I told my mom what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom was always a person where, like, I almost didn't count it. As, like, telling someone else. Yeah. Because my mom wasn't going to, like, do anything in almost every circumstance. Mm-hmm. But I just needed to be, like, this is happening. And it's hard. And it's scary. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think you don't realize that you're putting yourself in a lot of adult situations when you're mm-hmm. not ready for it. Yeah. And it's not a sign of, like, personal growth or significance that you are that you handle it well Mm -hmm. it's not a sign of that that's not impressive it's not an accomplishment and it's not a sign that you can handle it or that you should be because then you are continuously in situations that are shouldn't be for you and you end up I think you end up the bystander can really end up hurting themselves absolutely yeah no I completely agree and there's also that like what adult do you turn to? Do you go to your parents? Because that's hard. Do you go to a their, guidance counselor? Do you go to their parents, you know? I wish. I think there's a lot I really kind of respect our school for. Mm-hmm. But then something I don't is their treatment of issues like yes. this. Because a friend of mine and I went to the guidance counselor and we're like, hey, this just happened. We're going to cry about it. What it, help, help us, like help us. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything, which to me reinforced my need to be 
the adult. Yeah, see, I remember, I think it's the same person, but I went, ended up going with one of my friends, mm-hmm. and we went to the guidance concert, and we were like, we need help. This situation is not under control anymore. We are really worried about someone's safety. Like, help us. And I remember her telling us, like, the parents have been notified. Everything's fine. And I was like, no, everything is not fucking fine. Well, because sometimes the parents, like, the parents are part of the problem. Yeah. The parents aren't doing it. Like, notifying the parents isn't everything. No. But also, in defense of our guidance counselors... Their purpose at our school was mostly college and school-related issues. Yeah, they weren't emotional guidance counselors. We didn't have someone like that. We didn't have... I know friends who go to public schools and friends from college who talked about, yeah, our school, like, therapist. I was like, what? What? The fuck is that? Yeah, no. Hard no. I was like, don't you mean me? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you mean the religion teacher? Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, don't you mean the priest? Like, mm-hmm. don't you, you mean one of the nuns yeah. up at the convent with I'm the conf- cookies? Yeah, I'm confused by this, this therapy you speak of, this mm-hmm. mental health expert. <laughs> what? what? Where? I've never seen that. Whomst? <laughs> Whomst is that? Yeah, <laughs> <Who's> no. Who's <man? laughs> Who's ma'am? No, uh, our guidance counselors were absolutely there to be getting us into colleges. That's what they were hired for. That's what they were trained for. Mine thinks I go to a different college than I do. Mine thinks that I should be a talk show host. You should, though. I talk about myself too much. Yeah, but, like, so what? So what? I feel like you could do it, because I feel like that's half the battle of talk show housing. Just (laughs) talking about yourself? Talking about yourself, but also, you know, being, like, a, being a personality. (laughs) You know? Well, the thing is with Jimmy Fallon, what I've noticed is the most thing of the show, you have to laugh really hard at the person you're interviewing I love Jimmy Fallon's They don't need to be funny. You just need to go, ha, 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 ha. That was me slapping my knee, like, (laughs) enthusiastically. Please dress my rug. With mirth. Yeah. Mirth. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but, like, Jimmy Fallon's fake laugh is amazing. Oh, it's so funny, because he doesn't just, it's like a bodily thing, too. Like, he, like, leans down into his desk. Boyfriend has got it. Practice. What are you doing? I'm readjusting how I'm sitting. (laughs) So much. Um, (laughs) Draw me like one of your friends. That's how you're sitting right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. But back to, (laughs) yeah, friend friend therapy. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, one of my friends texted me yesterday and was like, I had such a shitty day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. Like, cool. That's Tell me not, about it. Tell yeah. me about it. That's being a friend. That's not being a therapist. But when I think, like, when you have to do, like, when it, like, because I feel like that's a big question of what con- what constitutes this friend therapy. Right. Like, what are we telling you not to do? I think a friend therapist probably constitutes when you feel like your friend is in immediate danger. Yeah. And it is up to you to, to save them. It. Yes. You're the Indiana Jones of friendship. Yeah, when you feel like you have to save someone. Because, like, if your friend tells you of a shitty day, you want to hear about it, you might reassure them, but you don't feel like you have to save them from their shitty day. No. And I also think, like, when it comes to, like, if your friend is mentally ill and is not seeing a counselor and is not doing anything about it and mm-hmm. is just talking to you, mm-hmm. that's a little red flag nation. That gets dangerous for them and for you. It's not helping either of you. And I know a lot of times if someone hasn't told their parents about their mental illness, then they really don't want to. And they will be very wholeheartedly against it. And it will feel like an absolute betrayal if you go to an adult. But Mm. going to an adult does help sometimes. Yeah. 
I think it just has to be which adult, which adult, like literally, mm -hmm. which one do you, it's, it, you know, it's like a utensil. Yeah. Like you can't use, you know, a fork to, or no, like a spoon to cut a steak knife. Of course not. That's not going to help. But if you use a steak knife to cut a steak. Then you're going to get somewhere. Yes. So I think the same goes for adults. Like they mm -hmm. are good for some stuff. Some are good for some stuff, like college, and some are good for other stuff, like mental and physical health. Yes. And assistance with that. <laughs> Another thing to note is that, like, this probably isn't the best method, but I remember over this past summer, it got to the point where one of my friends was doing very not well, and I ended up Facebook messaging her mother and being like, look, I think that she needs some help, and I think that you need to know what's going on. And then her mother never mentioned that I spoke to her, and she still doesn't know. That's good. Which I don't, I still feel guilty about it. Eh. But, like, she started going back to therapy. She Yay. did get help. And her mother just went to her and said, like, I know you haven't, like, seemed like yourself lately. Is everything okay? And my friend ended up telling her everything. That's good. And it was good. And she is doing better now. But there's that whole, I still feel like, did I make the right decision? Did I make the right yeah. call here? Was it my call to make? Yeah. It's so difficult and we talked about this in the last episode of, like, what being a friend constitutes. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is a friend? What is friendship? What is friendship? How do you Sounds be like a, a friend? a dumb question, but it's 100% hard. Yeah, no, it's really hard to define, like, what a friend is. Yeah. I mean. Because, like, you can talk to someone about stuff and still not see them as a friend. Yeah. I was thinking about it because I have friends at school who we talk to each other all the time when we're in the same space, mm -hmm. but then I never hear from them when we're outside that space. Right, you wouldn't actively seek them and out. And I'm like, are we friends? Like, I don't it's know. It's like a proximity friendship. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like, yeah, being your friend, being a friend, friend interventions are <laughs> hard, and I think when to step in is a little bit more obvious because it's more talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, if you see signs of, you know, negative behavior towards others or themselves, that's obviously, you know, when they step in. But when to step out is something people don't really talk about. That's true. And, like, the whole feel – like, I feel like there's a lot of guilt associated yeah. with having to step out. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I wish in some instances – like, I think I have more regrets about staying in too long than, than I, I do, do about, about stepping out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, I wish I had stepped out sooner mm -hmm. in some of these because it got bad. Yep. And yeah, I just, there's a difficulty-ness yes. to that. And I don't know. I wish someone had talked to me about it in a more open manner. Oh, me too. Because you're not really given a lot of resources with, like, you're told, like, if you're struggling with this, here's X, Y, and Z you can do. But when it's, like, when your friend is struggling with this, it's a lot murkier, I think. And I also feel guilty mm -hmm. for um, taking it on, if that makes it, or complaining or talking to anyone about this yes. stress I'm feeling as a friend therapist. Because... Because your friend is suffering, too. Your friend is suffering. Like, their pain is legitimate. Their pain is legitimate, and it's more than yours. Yes. Or at least it feels like it's more than yours. But then that's another thing that I... talked. We talked about this in, in college. The college. Um, mm. And I'm impressed by it because 
we just, we're reading, we didn't technically, it's not our words, I'm stealing this. I feel like I'm stealing this from like Roxane Gay or something. <laughs> but she called it the, I think this is Roxane Gay, the impression, the oppression Olympics, where it's yes. like, don't, like oppression isn't a game. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not, you know, this person is significant, like, this person's, you know, systemic oppression is worse than this person. Right. And, and like, I you're think, winning at I being think, the most oppressed. I think that Olympic scenario is applied to, um, like, I don't, I don't, I want to say, like, trauma, but almost, like. Suffering? Suffering. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's not oppression, but I think suffering, it's, like. Suffering, there's no prize for who suffers the most. There is no suffering Olympics, even though sometimes it felt like with my public school friend group, we'd be like, who is the most mentally ill? Which is who so suffers bad. the most? Who is doing the worst and who has it the hardest? And to become like a competition, and that's not friendship. No. And that doesn't help anyone, and that isn't making things better for anyone. No. It's like, well, I have depression. And anxiety. <laughs> and also, I mean, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, I said this to you, one of my favorite quotes from college is, I think there's a lot of depth into it, whether or not um, it, it's meant to have depth, mm-hmm. which is, I, out, I heard outside my dorm <laughs> at pretty late at night, and I actually was texting you at the God, time. It was so funny. It was so good. And all I remember, it's all I heard was somebody just shout down the hallway, we're all gay, Brenda. You're not special. <laughs> and it just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I mean, there's so many layers of comedy to it. There's the you're not special. Excellent. There's the name of Brenda. <laughs> Excellent. Just, who is named Brenda and can I find her? <laughs> it's the shouting late at night. Yeah. We're all gay, Brenda. Brenda <laughs> you're not special. Sparkle. I mean, are we all gay? Yeah. I think so. Unless think you so. ask our friend Sophia. <laughs> and she will tell you, no. There are some people who are 100% straight. <laughs> Not even a little sliver of gayness in there. None. But it's like, you know. We were talking uh, the paradigm heterosexual. Paradigm aggressively hetero. <laughs> um... I believe that everyone's a little bit gay. Let's be real. Me too. I think I think bisexuality is like more of a norm than heterosexuality. But oh, hey, I hey. think so too. I think that's it's a, just been socialized into that's, heteronormativity. That's another conversation um, <laughs> to have the next episode. <laughs> heteronormativity <laughs> in the just, modern society. I think we should just call it. <laughs> we're all gay, Brenda. <laughs> we're not special. <laughs> um, check out next week's episode. Uh, we're all gay, Brenda. You're, you're not, not special. special. Uh, streaming soon. <laughs> On the Petty Zoo. Yeah. Um, on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think the same goes to, to steal that line from whoever was threatening Brenda. To the true American icon. Yeah, whoever, whoever, the utterer of that sentence. <laughs> Maybe. Um, where are they? Where now? are they? Who are they? It was definitely a guy, too. I mean, I'm pretty, <laughs> That's even I'm pretty sure. Um, but again, I'm not assuming. Um, and someone yelled at me for assuming the gender of their dog at college. That's when I knew I was like, and we're done. Stephanie, the gender neutral dog. That's another story I have to tell. Is truly a queen. (laughs) Well, monarch. A monarch amongst canines. (laughs) I'll tell that story later. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, but weirdly enough, I feel like 
you know, when you saying high school fucks everyone up like in a different way, but I'm like, I think everyone's fucked up from high school and everyone's fucked up from like adolescence in a way. Yeah. And I think there's different ways, but everyone gets a little bit like screwed up from it. And I feel like comparing them in a, you know, who's more traumatized. Yeah. Or who's more fucked up is not really a useful conversation. No, and it doesn't help people. No, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, well, especially at sleepovers. Yes. Sleepovers, man. When? <laughs> sleepovers, sleepovers are not like the giddy little things that they're portrayed I wish in this they were. Like there are no pillow fights. No. There's no like flying of feathers. There are tears. Yeah. It's the flying of tears. <laughs> the flying of tears. Yeah. Rain. Just straight up <laughs> some, weeping. Uh, some have called it rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> flying tears. <laughs> A little fall of rain. To quote Lame is. Oh, Lame is. Talking about, like, oppression Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Who's sadder in Lame and Lame is? The biggest question. Yeah, honestly. Everyone. I'm going to have to say Jean Valjean, it, actually. It, honestly? Saddest boy, the sad voice. I, mm, But uh, Marius. Marius. Marius, you know, Empty Chairs and Empty Tables is literally oh, the my saddest God. song on the planet. It's so fucking sad. Fantine, she was fucking sad. Yes, yeah, bitch was sad bitch as hell. Bitch was sad. She was a sad, fucking sad bitch. Javert. Javert, sad. Sad. <laughs> Angela, sad. Cosette started the Olymp- oppression Olympics because I feel like she was like, I'm lonely. <laughs> and everyone's like, shut the fuck up, Cosette. There's a war on. Yeah, legit. The fuck, Cosette. Oh, my God. It's like my fav- one of my favorite Kardashian quotes is when Kim Kardashian <laughs> loses her earring in the ocean and then she's like crying about it and Courtney goes, people, people are, are dying, dying, Kim. Kim. <laughs> Actually, I think that's seconded to um, Kim, your sister's going, going to jail. To- Stop, Stop taking, taking selfies. <laughs> Uh, my that God, was so good. No, I'm actually going to say for my definitive answer that the saddest in Lame is is the role that I did no. play. Uh, old Hag. Oh, my God. Who cuts the braid. She has a very tragic backstory oh. that I have developed for her. Mm, of Catch does. her major motion picture coming out old in Hag, the spring of 2018. Starring. Old Hag, the untold story of Lame is. Starring Julia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> starring old, me. Old Hag one. Oh, God. Um. I think that, yeah, that wraps up our conversation about friend interventions. I, I hope you learned. So. If you didn't, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least you listened. I'm fine with if you didn't learn. Um, and I think we should do our uh, thing we loved and our thing we loathed. Yes. Lo- love loathe. Would you like to just begin love loathe? I love loathe. <laughs> um, let's see. I think I will. Something I loved is... What did I, I feel like I saw something that, I'm trying to think, ugh, this is going to bother me. <laughs> Ooh, can I do something I actually loved slashed loathed? Yes. Um, this the is Riverdale my, category. Oh, uh, the Riverdale category. Terrible, but great. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really back, I got back into, like, novel reading, which mm. I haven't done in a while, which was really, it's like cleansing. Like, yeah. there's something very, like sitting down and not being like on electronic I know that sounds super old but like just sitting down and not being like in a YouTube hole is so like oh you just it's like drinking water for me yeah mental water it's nice and I read ebook series or it's it's technically a trilogy but the third one's not out yet and it's called Charlotte Holmes and it's a like modern day Sherlock Holmes except Sherlock Holmes is a girl and like love it so like Nancy Drew Nancy Drew but not if Nancy Drew was an asshole <laughs> which she's not I love her um but it was like I can't decide if I loved it or if I loathed it really I don't know 
and it bothers me. I think I need to sit with it for a while. <laughs> like, I read it. I don't know if I was really enjoyed the book or I just enjoyed reading. Right, right, You know? Right. Does that ever happen to you? Totally. Yeah. That's my love loathe. Um, something else. Oh, I'm trying to think of anything else. TV shows I've loved lately. Big Little Lies, which mm. I rewatched with my sister. Rewatched it last night. Both of us are big fans. Oh, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, Nicole Kidman. Oh, so good. Tag yourself. I'm a Renata. <laughs> no, I think I'm. I think I'm Madeline. Yeah, I think you are. A you know bit. what I am? No, I'm Chloe. I'm Chloe the <laughs> kindergarten. Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. No, good show mm-hmm. all around. Do you um, want to do one? Yeah. I would love to. So something I loved is I read a novel recently, Ooh. and it's called Less. Yeah, you mentioned... Yes, and it's by... Oh, God. Do you want I me to... Want, his name. Do you want me to Google it? Sure. Okay. Um, so the basic premise... Well, first of all, what's interesting is that it's a grown-up book. I tend to read, like, memoirs or, I don't know, like... YA. We yeah, love... We if, love a good YA. If anybody wants to tell me a good YA This novel. is, like, a book for adults, but it's fantastic. So it's about this aging novelist named Arthur Less, and his boyfriend of nine years is getting married, and he doesn't want to have to go to the ceremony, so he accepts all of these random invitations to travel around the world. And it's kind of like a tragic comedy, like bad shit just keeps happening to him, but it's so tenderly written and like fond. Andrew Sean Greer? Andrew Sean Greer, yes. And it's just so like warmly written that, oh, it just, it, I absolutely it? loved it. Yes. Okay, just making sure. So that was something I loved this week. Um, something I loathed this week is my friend last night, about 2 in the morning, showed me something called Cringe Musical.ly compilations no. on YouTube where you just watch horrible musicallys that Why? are made by 12-year-olds. No. And I hated it. I don't like Musical.ly. That's yeah. like the new era of teen that it's I don't not understand. Even, I, can't, I can't even laugh at it. No. I'm just too cringed out. I was going to say, I was like, that's why you watch... 7,000 hours of Vine compilations. Right, exactly. Yeah, 100% Vine compilations. (laughs) All right, so this has been the Petty Zoo. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you at some point in in the near future. future. Stay zesty. Bye, Ether.